Welcome to Financial Foresight. This podcast was made by four fee-only CFP professionals to help consumers understand the financial industry. Let's meet your hosts. They're either naive, they're stupid, or they're lazy. You know, the other thing is, is uh, my ceiling fan just went out in my kitchen today. (laughs) He is the commander in chief on this video right now. And uh, man, I am feeling controlled and empowered and safe. Don't stop for Dwight's baby. We can edit that out. (laughs) All of the podcast hosts are owners of RIAs registered in their respective home states. All commentary on this podcast represent the opinions of individuals and not their firms. All commentary is financial education, not financial advice. So let's get started. Welcome to the Financial Foresight Podcast. Today we have myself, Colin, we have Dwight, and Ian. Isaiah is out of town, so I am kicking us off here on the intro. Um, So apologize already. (laughs) But we're going to start off over with Ian here uh, because he just had a very, very interesting uh, vacation slash business growth development uh, mindset, spirit, all of the above. Ian, could you please share with us a little bit of what you did over the last couple weeks here um, and maybe how that is going to impact life, business, and all of the above? Sure, man. Um, so good intro, Colin. I know that we just dumped that on you. Thank you. Right off the bat. So you, you performed admirably. Um, so w- what I just did is what's called a five-day workshop with the Kinder Institute of Life Planning. Um, life planning is a subset of the financial planning kind of genre in which we spend a lot of time focusing on our clients' whys and their, their what they call in the in the Kinder Institute, heart's core. The things that really, really matter to people that they sometimes don't even share with their spouses or themselves that they don't want to admit to it themselves. And so it's working on helping financial planning clients tease out those things that are truly important to them so that they can focus on them as part of their financial plan. Um, for more on kind of how I ended up going to this workshop, I have a blog post on my website that we'll link in the show notes, um, talking about all of the different parts of life planning that I was exposed to prior to this. But basically in the five day workshop, we spent four days, 12 hours a day working with each other on a process that George Kinder uses called evoke. Um, which is a five-meeting process to help clients uncover these really important things and start planning for them. And we actually life-planned each other, which was pretty incredible. You know, it was interesting to be in that experience. So while I won't share the details of my partner, I'm happy to talk about what it was like for me. Anyway, uh, do you guys have any questions about it? Yeah, sure, Ian. I have a question. I know you do quite a bit of work with folks remotely as well. So I'm wondering how does life-planning work I guess, remotely through Zoom or video chat versus say like belly to belly? Sure. Um, so that's a that's a good question because obviously one of the hardest parts about listening really well to your clients, which is how you end up, you know, in these deeper conversations is um, losing some of the body language and some of the visible signals that somebody is thinking or feeling something. 
Um, so there are a couple of ways to address that. Um, to start off with in a virtual practice, one of the things that you want to do is make sure that the clients are on video chat as opposed to just a phone call, right? So that you can see them. Um, some other some other tips that we heard from some of the more practiced life planners at the retreat are um, the first thing is to kind of have your camera a far enough distance away from you that the client can see your whole upper body, right? So that when you're like leaning in, you're giving them the right body language signals to let them know that you're listening, you're nodding. Um, all of those things are very visible to the client. So it's not like just your face or something. Um, the other thing is you want to um, make your pauses and um, different listening signals that are audible a little bit louder. So normally when you pause in like a conversation one-on-one -on -one with a friend and you're face-to-face, -face, you don't really have to say anything because they know that you're pausing, right? You have stopped talking. But because of the delays over the internet and those sorts of things, one of the easiest ways to signal that you're listening is to just nod your head and go, mm-hmm. So, you know, just give people signals that you're actually waiting for them to reply and those sorts of things. So those are kind of the basic active listening pieces that you can do online. Hope that helps. Um, but then also when you're looking at the process itself, you just want to utilize technology where it's beneficial. Um, so one of the people who attended the workshop ended up doing the three questions, which are one of the things that happens in the first part of the meeting as a uh, cognito form on her website so that her clients could just go to it and fill out the three questions and that data would be sent to her before the second meeting so that she could review it and then talk about it with them during that meeting since you you know can't hand them a sheet of paper those sorts of things nice those are some great tips i like the idea of of making sure to be cognizant of how you're communicating and some of the differences there because yeah just even the hand gestures the pausing i mean that's stuff that I don't really think about and I do a lot of online meetings. So, um, yeah, that should probably be uh, trying to incorporate some of that a little bit more. Um, what was uh, maybe some of the biggest takeaways that you that maybe you're going to be able to implement in your business? Or are there like some major questions or conversations? Because I know you kind of started out with the life planning idea and talking about what money means to them. Was there anything that like really surprised you or was it more of just like, kind of reinforcing a lot of those beliefs. Yeah, I think the the biggest takeaway, which um, Kinder calls a torch statement, is that providing clients with just a moment in time, a vision of the future in which they're living their ideal life, and all of these things that they want are kind of coming together and coalescing into one moment, is the best thing that we can do. So um, here's an example. Let's say that you have a client that... Um, that wants to spend more time with his family. He works just a ton, right? Works like 50, 60 hours a week, never gets a moment to himself. And so one of the big parts of his vision is to be able to back down from work a little bit, right? So maybe work a 35 hour week on average so that he can spend, you know, 15 hours throughout the week with his family. Well, then you say, if as a consequence of our work together, I, we, we're able to give you a moment in time about six months from now where it's the middle of the day and you're not at the office. You've taken just a moment for yourself to go to lunch with your kids. You're sitting there and Timmy 
and John are just laughing with you and enjoying a sandwich, and they're smiling, and one of them says, Thanks, Dad. It's been nice to spend this time with you. How would that feel? So that's what Kinder calls a torch statement, right? It's showing the client what they want so that it energizes them towards getting it, right? They get this, this rush of emotion that allows them to start solving the problem as opposed to viewing all the obstacles in between. So that I, I think that that kind of vision is something that us planners have the unique ability to draw out of clients, right? Because we can marry the, the aspirational work of creating this vision with the reality of how to get from where they are today to where they want to be, right? We have the skill set for that because of the hard skills. So one of, the, one of the things I think we should be doing more is starting every meeting with, so <laughs> how are we going to get you that lunch? Right? What is the next step towards us having this moment in time where we can do this? Because I think, you know, we can talk about investing and, you know, life insurance and all these interesting pieces all day, but we have to make a better effort to relate the pieces back to what the client actually cares about on a regular basis to keep them moving. Nice. That's awesome. I love the the visual part and and the the quote from from George talking about how you don't want them focusing on the obstacles. You want them to, you know, try to create that that goal sometime in the future that kind of becomes intangible, and that's what really makes it so easy to focus on the the obstacles. I feel like, and uh, and to really just be in that moment and what does that mean to them and have them actually say it in their own words of what it would mean. Um, that's that's awesome. I always try to do that in. Uh, retirement planning and uh, I think it's it's cool to be able to even get beyond that and be like well why is retirement important to you you know and they'll say oh it's like well it's because I you know don't have to work and yeah. that's what people do and it's like oh that's not probably the real answer like what what about the freedom is important to you and it's like, well, I guess actually the real reason is because I want to spend more time with my grandkids. I, I missed their soccer game, you know, all season last year, and it, it really kills me. Um, I want to be able to be at the soccer games or whatever the case, and then, you know, really get to that why. And then, like you said, actually say, okay, what is it? what would it mean to you if we could get you at some point in the future to be able to be stress-free at the, your, your grandkids' soccer game, enjoying that moment, and, you know, what, what would that mean to you? And like, have them really just say in their own words, that is what it's all about. And then, you know, the retirement stuff, the analyses, all of the hard skills, um, you know, that's really where we come in, but also making sure that they can visualize and, and identify how important that is to them. I feel like that really is kind of lost and in, in not as uh, stressed, especially like in the CFP textbook, we're not taught that type of stuff, even though that's really what kind of drives all of the hard skills. Exactly. The, the cool thing about this workshop was that the workshop started with the assumption that everybody in the room knew how to do financial planning. So uh, unlike most financial planning conferences or meetups or whatever, we weren't talking about all of that other stuff, right? All of the stuff that you're going to use to actually implement the vision for the client. 
We're just talking about how to get the correct vision out of the client, the really deep stuff that they're holding on to that they don't want to talk about because they're afraid it might not happen if they say it out loud, right? That's the stuff that we're working on. And then the funny part is in the workshop, the, uh, the way that you decide how long to set that vision for in the future is you as the planner think of what would be realistic, right? So in my example, I said in six months, this guy's having lunch with his kids, right? Well, you're supposed to decide what that would be realistic and then take about 25% off the timeline to make it like hard to do because the client's gonna solve for it, right? The question that you ask when you get to obstacles, which is a later meeting in this process, is they look at you and they say something to the, or, or actually you sit down for that meeting and you give them that vision again. So here you are having lunch with your kids. They say, thanks dad, I really appreciate you taking this time. And they smile real big at you. And then you ask, how would that, is that still the vision? Client says yes. And you go, okay, well, knowing how much that means to you, what could possibly get in the way? And you let them throw the obstacles out there because then they can solve them with you, right? So it's not just me sitting down behind a computer, you know, with no, with no input solving these one way. It's let's collaboratively solve this because it's way better if you're bought into the solution too. So that's the magic of the process, but it was a really cool way to spend five days. Uh, Hawaii didn't suck either. So, <laughs> you know, uh, George Kinder's house, which is where we spent, you know, the time actually in the workshop, has a wall of all glass doors that were always open. And uh, the ocean is just outside. So it was pretty cool to, uh, to be in that space while I was working on life planning. Definitely makes you feel more inspired, not less. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Wow, that's awesome, man. Um, anything that you want to add kind of to that before we transition to Tweet of the Week? Uh, you know what? Sure. Before we transition to Tweet of the Week, I just want to talk about something that kind of came away from the yeah. workshop with. Um, because I wrote about life planning after leaving the workshop, so I had this conversation with a lot of people. Um, and this is just kind of a reminder for the other financial planners that might be listening to this podcast. Our role as a planner is not just to make the money less stressful. It's also to use the money as a tool to help our clients get what they want out of life. Right. So the money is not the mean or it, the money is no more than the means. It's not mm -hmm. the meaning. And we need to keep that at center stage. So whether you're using the evoke life planning process, whether you're doing some other system that you've developed yourself or using money quotient, which is another life planning system. It's all about utilizing the tool of the money to give your client the life they want. And sometimes we can lose sight of that with all the cool stuff we can do with money. So. Just keep that in mind. Awesome. Well, it has, uh, the tweet of week, the week has picked on me, um, and I feel like this is just kind of fitting here uh, with the, the passing of a uh, basketball legend, Kobe Bryant. Um, I think there's uh, a little bit more to be remembered with Kobe, and this one really resonated with me from Carl Quintanelli, the CNBC uh, anchor, uh, tweeted that, when he was speaking with an interviewing Kobe on television, he said, in 20 years, will your legacy be basketball or investing, or which would you prefer? And Kobe's response was really, really cool, which just makes, of course, his passing even more devastating, was that he wanted to be remembered for investing 
And he said that basketball championships come and go, but to build something that lasts for generations is to be able to build companies that inspire others to do what, what they're inspired to do. And that just really, I don't know, it just really hit home because, you know, you see a lot of these uh, NBA stars. I know like LeBron has started some foundations for funding kids' education and and. Uh, Kobe started doing a lot of that type of work of building uh, companies with that, that really had the correct uh, means at heart and wasn't just about profits. And I, I just kind of uh, it kind of just hit home, and and it just makes it even more sad, especially living out in LA and seeing how uh, much people loved him and were gathered around the Staples Center. And it's just really sad to see uh, number one a basketball legend. Uh, pass and and of course his his daughter was with him uh, in that tragic accident but really it's you know he just went so early because he finally you know was kind of to bring it back to kinder here was really trying to focus on things outside of himself and it is just so sad to see someone like that who wanted to focus only on others go too early yeah and I think too you know, sort of that question of like, hey, if you had all the money in the world or that you could ever want, right? I guess the, you know, the book, If Your Money or Your Life talks about that. You know, some of these athletes, for example, like they get that and you're 35 and you're done. You're still super young. I mean, I just turned 35 a week or two ago. And Kobe, what, played 20 years for LA straight through, never another team. Like, and, you know, which is a good long time. And it's like he's 41. So you look at folks like Michael Jordan who've kind of gone out and done other things. Or if you're Peyton Manning, uh, to use a football reference with a big game coming up here. Or, um, you know, some of these others. It's like if you make it to 40 in terms of in that career, uh, you know, that's about as long as most of them are going to make it. So then the question is, is then what, right? So going back to that life planning. So we've solved the financial question. Now what are you going to do with the next 50 years? Mm -hmm. Um, so I, I mean, Colin, I know you and I were chatting before Ian got on our call, but it's just, yeah, I think of Kobe and just being like, man, that guy to me just, I, f- I felt like was going to be like Michael Jordan where he's going to have another 50 years out there doing big things, um, and have a really great, you know, second act. And, um, yeah, it's just, it's a huge bummer. Yeah. It's really unfortunate. It's, it's also a reminder that, you know, thankfully, I think Kobe really did love playing basketball. So maybe this isn't a perfect analogy, but, you know, we never know how long our time is going to be. And so, you know, again, life planning question is if you were going to, uh, so this is a take on the third question. I'm not going to say it correctly, but this is a kinder question, which is if you got news that you had 24 hours left to live, what would you regret not getting to do or not getting to be, right? Um, so it's not how would you plan your last 24 hours because, frankly, that, you know, you have 24 hours, spend it with the people you love. But it's also what would you have wanted to have done with the rest of your life? And that kind of signals all the amazing things that us humans get to do when we're given freedom, right? Um, so it's unfortunate that he didn't get to be the person that he was probably hoping to be for the next 50 years to pull from mm-hmm. Colin. Um, but 
hopefully uh, it seems like he's left a legacy that a lot of people really appreciated exactly what he was in the time he was here. So transitioning to our second topic, it kind of relates to Ian's first life planning topic. Uh, Dwight, you mind sharing with us that interesting article that you were talking about? Yeah, so this one comes from uh, Ted, uh, you know, the TED Talks folks. So the title of the article uh, was How to Explain Anything to Anyone, Four Steps to Clear Communication. And I thought this was kind of interesting. Uh, you know, I like technical things, and I'm sure the rest of us on on this podcast do as well. So sometimes I struggle with trying to keep things Uh, Easy to understand, but basically the four items were to start off in the right place. So just understand that everybody's got a different background. Some people, uh, you know, know a lot about something and some people, you know, may have been hearing about this topic for the first time. Um, And again, this could go from anything from financial advisory to tax to, you know, astrophysics or something like that. Um, So don't go too far down the rabbit hole. So pointing out that most of us love to learn, but we can only absorb so much at a time. Uh, definitely can relate to that, especially talking about, uh, you know, some complex tax things or what have you in an hour, people are like, Oh, we're just going to meet for an hour. So no big deals. Like we're gonna go through a lot in an hour. So, uh, you know, we're going to try to keep, keep this high level, go for clarity over accuracy. Definitely something I struggle with. I always want to be very accurate and sometimes more of a CYA thing. Like now, I, you know, I don't want to say something wrong, um, or miss, you know, try, I don't want to purposely mislead anybody, but their point here is talking about, um, just not get too carried away and get everything right, but just try to keep it simple and then build upon it, uh, if necessary. Um, so something I want to try to keep in mind and explain why you think the subject is so cool. So, um, you know, again, I think all of us on this call, we've, you know, spent plenty of time behind the scenes talking to each other about different topics or different things that we think are, are really neat. And again, just kind of going back to Ian, your topic, uh, of the life planning. And it's just, most people don't really, you know, they might say like, give me all the answers to this, but at the end of the day, most people don't really care how things are done. They just want them to be done and pointing them back to that, that life plan of like, what are you trying to accomplish? And like, if we can figure out what tools, um, to get us there, then that's the best, you know, let's do that. That's the analogy I always use is like, well, you can use a shovel and you can use a backhoe. They both dig holes, but let's figure out what the best tool is. And before we start going through spec sheets on backhoes, let's, you know, decide if we need a, you know, chainsaw or a scalpel. So um, you guys got any thoughts on that? Uh, I think it's a really cool communication method. It kind of points to the way that we naturally communicate when we're actually excited about something and just gives you a system to kind of go back to. Having checklists for communications are always helpful um, because in the moment, the I think the biggest issue with human communication is we can kind of get swallowed up by our own emotion and not really effectively communicate. So just being able to go back and say, did I do all four of these things? It's nice. Yeah, I really, the the one that, the piece that stuck out to me, Dwight, was the uh, clarity over accuracy. Because you could be talking to people about all these different type of, you know, compensation deferrals of whether it's, you know, a 401k or a 403b or a 457 or an IRA. And people are like, oh my gosh, you just threw so many acronyms at me. I'm already confused. (laughs) And what you could simply say to them instead to go for clarity over accuracy is just say, every one of these crazy acronyms are a 
wealth are, are a vehicle that help you save money on taxes. And they're incentivized, the government put them in place to incentivize you to save for retirement. Done. And is that entirely accurate? Oh, well, they all have their different nuances. So, you know, that's maybe a little bit of a misleading, but at the same time, it's still clarity and you're kind of walking away knowing, okay, instead of being scared of these acronyms, at least I learned one thing that points me in the right direction. Yeah, absolutely. And I, I mean, I can think of a meeting that I had years ago when I was uh, working for a public accounting firm and this wasn't our fault. Like we kind of inherited this particular person and she just had all these like trusts and like that her husband did all this complex estate planning from the seventies when that was, when it was even probably even more important. And like at the end of the day, this lady just wanted to know like how to pay her groceries. So like we could sit there to the nth degree trying to explain how all these things like flowed together. And she's like, wait, what, like which checkbook do I use? And so it was, I try to remember about, you know, that and just kind of saying like, okay, at the end of the day, like how's this person going to like live their life? Um, in light of the fact that there's all these other things going on and it matters to us and the attorneys and, you know, other stuff, but like, it, it just needs to be simple. Right. Yeah. I've had clients tell me that they really value my explanations because they're simple. I've never had a client be like, you know, I really want to understand the interplay between custodians and broker dealers and you and how that <laughs> actually affects me. Like, yeah. you know what I mean? They don't really care who gets what share of the fees or what the you know what this or that means what they care about is are my investments going to do well and how do we get this set up or how is my financial plan going to work or am i going to have enough money to live until you know i die those those kinds of things are what they care about it's not you know can you please explain to me the intricacies of state state tax law it's like, right. no. Well, and I think it's, and it's, it's hard too sometimes where I work with folks that just sort of want a one-time plan where they just want all of this information. And I've just found plenty of times and I don't know about you guys, but it's like, okay, we can go through this and we'll go through it in 90 minutes or whatever you want. But this is a lot of information to take in. And this is stuff that I look at every day that I still have to look up and go back and research and do all this other stuff. And so you know, people, I get sometimes like, oh, well, don't worry. We'll just like, we'll get it all figured out. And then of course, you know, people are calling like, Hey, wait, how does all this stuff work? And it's like, yeah, there's a, there's a lot of stuff to this. Like, this is why it's really important to be doing things ongoing and in piecemeal and being able to point it back, you know, the reasons of why we're doing some of this stuff and being able to point it back to the plan. It's not just as simple as here's a tax return. Like we just crank this thing out or here's an estate plan or, you know, or a will and power of attorney. Like those are all just after the fact, those are after all of the planning's been done. So, yeah, I agree. That's I think that's the most common misconception in financial planning is that you can just do one financial plan and then you're set for life. It's like the, what actually matters is solving the problems on an individual basis with an with an eye or a lens for what you're trying to get out of the whole of your life, and you can't solve one problem and then be like, well, this is never going to be a problem again <laughs> because your life's going to change. You have no control over whether it's a problem. Right. Again. <laughs> or or so. what I told you three months ago might be totally different now because we've got new information or what we thought was going to work wasn't or whatever. Like, Yeah. Congress changes. passed the SECURE Act exactly. in the last month of the year and made it effective immediately in 2020. Yep. So, you know, it's, it's crazy how that stuff happens. Yep. So. Not to mention that life changes, goals change, you know, 
kids are born, people pass, you know, you end up moving for a job, uh, unlimited amount of differences that completely, imp- yeah, I, I always agree that, you know, the, the financial plan, and I think uh, uh, either Kitsis or Carl Richards might have said this, uh, the plan is, probably Carl Richards, the plan is completely worthless, but the planning process is, you know, invaluable. Um, and I think that's what we yeah. got to remember. So in kind of a summary here, uh, guys, any takeaways from, from the conversation? Uh, make sure that every decision you're making in life that affects your long term comes from a place of understanding what the purpose of that decision is. The quote from my father-in-law is, when your values are clear, your decisions are easy. So do that work to understand what your values actually are and what you're trying to get out of life. Yeah, just thinking back to, I think, an earlier episode, Colin, you were talking about Simon Sinek's uh, quote, just can't win the infinite game. And I think, you know, this past weekend, and I guess some of you experienced that of the financial life planning, that's really kind of it, is it's really, you can't win the infinite game. So what are you trying to do here? I love it, guys. Well, great talking with you all. Thank you for all who have listened. Uh, We will see you next time uh, on the Financial Foresight Podcast. Thanks so much for listening. We hope we were able to make you laugh and allow you to learn something. For all inquiries and questions, please email financialforesight at gmail.com. If you're on Twitter, feel free to give us a follow and ask a question there as well. Remember the podcast is for general information and entertainment purposes only, and you should not consider what we've talked about investment or tax advice. Please consult your professional team before implementing anything we talked about. If you're enjoying the show, please subscribe on Apple Podcasts and maybe leave us a review. We'd love to hear from you. And thank you so much for listening. We'll be talking again soon.